My heart skips skipping the beach You're not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Welcome, podcast listeners. Today, I have what could be the greatest interview of this little show's life his name jonathan decker probably potentially you've never heard of him but he is the clinical director of your family expert he is a licensed marriage and family therapist a husband and maybe perhaps most impressively a father of five jonathan has his master's degree (laughs) in family therapy from auburn university He has his bachelor's degree from that cool school in Utah, Brigham Young University. He, by his own admission, is a genius billionaire playboy. He has done stage comedy. He is passionate. And philanthropist. Yeah, and philanthropist. I forgot. I forgot. Hey, this is my introduction, Jonathan, so let me finish. I apologize. This is my part. This is where I get a shine for once in my show. He's passionate about interface efforts to strengthen families and communities. But, okay, he's got five kids. He's a husband to a beautiful wife. He's got degrees. He's done stage comedy. Easily his greatest accomplishment in his life is that he won the BYU talent show for his one-man act based on Lord of the Rings. Welcome. That's right. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Jonathan. And you got to unpack the talent show thing because that could be nerdy, but it, maybe it was cool. Okay, well, first of all, you have shined, brother. You are sparkly over there. You're like Edward Cullen. <laughs> like this is this is straight up sparkles. I'm digging it. Uh, my okay, well, the, the the talent show thing. So Michael asked me for interesting things because I told him about my pedigree, and he's like, boring. So I started to feed him some lies. But this one was true. No, they were all true. I I was in the Brigham Young University talent show, and I thought I was just comedic filler. I mean, there are people in there who did ballroom dance. They practiced for years. There was a guy who juggled on a six-foot unicycle. I mean, there are people with legitimate talent that had taken years and years to develop. I spent a weekend looking in the mirror doing Gollum and Smeagol and different voices from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I will give you a sample, I, but I go out on stage, and I'd never done stage comedy before. I was nervous, and it went very, very well, and then I I won, and I should, I don't think I should have won. I don't think I was the most talented person, but I won the crowd, and how I won the crowd uh, was with stuff like this. <clears throat> we want it. We need it. Must have the precious. They stole it from us. This is how it is. No, no, not master. Yes, precious master. He will hurt you, lie to you. Master's my friend. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. So, oh my god! There's a little bit of taste. You took me right back to Lord of the Rings. (laughs) 
Dude, that was actually very <laughs> impressive. Did you actually do Smeagol for the hit? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I got on the chair. If you go to YouTube and look for uh, One Man Lord of the Rings BYU talent show, you'll no see it. And, I mean, and this is me years out of practice right now. Like, when, if you thought that was good, you need to see the actual moment. That is crazy. Uh, but I, I, I do a lot of different voices. Uh, do you have any voices? I'm taking requests from you, Michael. What do you want, what do you want to hear? All right. Uh, let's, you know... You mentioned this one, and I'm kind of excited because I haven't heard a good impression of Pee Wee Herman in a while. <laughs> okay, hang on. Quick sip of water. All right. <clears throat> I have to sit back from my phone here so it's not too loud. <laughs> good morning, Pee Wee. Good morning, Mr. Preston. Can I have some Mr. Cheese cereal, please? Okay. <laughs> There you go. There's Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> All right. Wait. I'm going to do something really messed up for my audience right now. I want you, because I have a cool question here, but I just had a way better uh, idea on how to get the answer out of you. So if, oh, boy. So, so you're helping families now. You're running yourfamilyexpert.com. That's a brilliant URL, by the way. Yes. Um, my, my wife is actually the CEO, and I'm the clinical director. Ah. And uh, we do therapy and relationship coaching across the country and online courses. So I've I've gone from, but we we still have to make it fun. Well, well, I mean, life isn't worth living if it's not enjoyable. Yeah, well, maybe absolutely. So maybe, what's your question? And, that's overstated. And so, in what okay. perverse way am I going to answer it? Yeah, yeah. So, what would be what is like your go-to favorite advice for couples? Right. So start thinking about sort of that one nugget that you have found a lot of success in helping couples and helping their relationship. But I need you to give it as Smeagol. I want relationship (laughs) advice from Smeagol. Can you handle that? Okay. Let's see. Okay. Um, So Gollum's the angry one and Smeagol's the sweet one. So this is actually perfect. Yeah. We want the sweet one. Um, All right. We want love. We want closeness. We want intimacy, but we can never get it. Sorry. (laughs) We think that fighting less is the key. We must fight less, but we need more, more connection. Happy couples and miserable couples, they fight just as much as each other. But couples who are happy, they show more love and connection, more interest in one another's interests. Yes, precious interests. <laughs> so, um, I, can I can I keep going with this thread, but switch over to yeah. maybe Kip from I'll, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me give me some Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, giving marriage advice. Your wife. She's the best thing that has ever happened to you. Don't worry. I'm sure there's a gorgeous babe out there for you somewhere. And when you find her, you just got to make sure that you listen to her, you know, and, and that you're spending time, not just in your own head and training for cage fights all day, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a hard time thinking of good, good advice because I'm too focused on the voices. Uh, so there you go. I'll, 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 I'll pepper some other impressions throughout this interview. Right. I'm going to call on them from time to time, Jonathan. 
So what? Okay. okay so yeah. Let, do an so, audible. So so as Jonathan Decker, what what did yeah. Smeagol uh, from Lord of the Rings and Kip from Napoleon Dynamite? What do they just teach couples? Uh, I, I think that the biggest key is we have if we, as couples and as families. A lot of times we think that we need to fight less. There's too much contention. There's too much arguing. There's too much ugliness. But really, fighting is just a symptom. I mean, happy families, happy couples have fights and arguments. The difference is that in a happy marriage, a couple's going to fight, and then they're going to withdraw. And they're going to stay away from each other and stay in their corners. So all that negative energy just stews there. Whereas, in, did I say happy? I meant unhappy. Uh, with, a, with a happy couple, on the other hand, they might fight and argue. It's not going to get as ugly. It's not going to get as mean. But they still have fights and arguments. But in between, they're nurturing that relationship. In between, they're, they're praising, they're expressing gratitude, they're, they're spending time with each other. Uh, in between, they're showing affection physically. In between, they're building one another up and, and lightening each other's load. And so that, to me, is like speed. It's like shock absorbers on a bike. When I was a kid, my, my parents, they had money, they weren't, but they were cheap. <laughs> and so all my friends had these high-quality high mountain bikes with shock absorbers in the front. I shouldn't say they were cheap. There were five of us. They spread it around. I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening. Uh, but they, but my friends had mountain bikes that had shock absorbers in the front, and I had a bike with no shock absorbers. And my friends could hit a curb at 20 miles an hour and keep pedaling and you know just bounce because the, the the shock absorbers would just take it. Uh, but I hit a curb and you know I just go head over handlebars. And I think in our marriages and families, it's a very similar thing. The more we praise and express gratitude and show affection and genuine concern and and quality time and fun time together, really enjoying each other, then those curves are going to come. Those speed bumps are going to come, but we, we handle them a lot better. Uh, and so I, a lot of people think they need to fight less, but what they really need is how much love am I showing today? How much genuine interest am I putting down my phone and engaging and connecting? And that'll help us handle the bumps. So that's, uh-huh. that's what Kip and Smeagol were trying to, were trying to say. <laughs> well, and, and let me ask you this then. But sometimes, so, you know, Kip just gets distracted yeah, because Napoleon, yeah. Napoleon wants some lip balm yeah. because his lips hurt real bad. Gosh. <laughs> so, okay, so let's get practical here. So then why? What, what happens in, in your view or your understanding? Why, why is a couple, because like we get it, right? Hey, if I was more affirming, if we were more positive, if we were more soft touches and being kind to one another and all of these good things, what in the world prevents people from doing that? Uh, I think, I think we get proud if we feel that we've been wronged or our feelings have been hurt or even heaven forbid, if the other person makes a valid point and their criticism of us is valid, uh, we don't want to. We don't want to give it to them, and so we we get defensive or we shut down, and then we're not accountable. And when we get defensive, we want to tear the other person down because we feel attacked. And so how to how to counter that? I think is honestly, it's just really old fashioned values of are you responsible? Are you accountable? If someone says something to you, and it's hurtful or it's mean, but you see that there's a kernel of truth in, in it, or maybe it feels hurtful because you know it's true. Can you own that? Even if you don't like how they're talking to you, even if you think it's exaggerated or twisted, is there something there that you can take ownership of and be humble and accountable? Because if you can do that, then it's easier to ask the other person to follow suit. Whereas if we're both casting blame, then nobody wants to take accept, uh, take acceptance. Nobody wants to be accountable. And then it just gets ugly and it just snowballs. 
And so I honestly, I honestly think it comes down to, am I humble? Am I accountable? Am I forgiving? And if I can do that, then my marriage, my family can be strong. It can survive. I love that. And thrive. I, I am talking with Jonathan Decker. He is a part of yourfamilyexpert.com, that his wife is the CEO. And what is your wife's name? I'm so that's sorry. Correct. I should have that No, that's okay. Her name is Alicia. Is Alicia. Alicia. She's the CEO. Yep, she's, and I'm the clinical the director, so I, I, train the, I train the team and, and make sure the clients are happy, and she runs the business. Well, and l- let me just ask quickly, how, so how can folks get help with, with you guys and with your organization? Well, so we're run out of the state of Utah, and so we provide uh, online and face-to-face therapy in Utah and in a handful of other states uh, that allow for interstate therapy. But we have a relationship coach. Uh, who does relationship coaching across state lines, and then we do online courses. And wherever you are, we have these these courses that you can log in. Uh, if you if you're having fun with with us tonight, having fun, you know, you think I'm moderately entertaining. Uh, I make these courses fun. It's edutainment. Oh, nice. uh, But we we do these relationship courses on marriage and parenting and blended families and healthy sexuality and dating and grief and emotional health and all these things. And so uh, wherever you are, you can take an online course. And so for some people who may not ever wander into a therapist's office, they might feel a lot more comfortable sitting at home with their sweetheart, popping the popcorn and learning some things. And then the coursework, uh, there's work to do. You don't just sit and learn. Uh, but that's what your relationship coach is for, or you can do it on your on your own. So that's that's what we offer uh, looking, all across the country, all around the world. Yeah, I'm looking at yourfamilyexpert.com, and you guys, yeah, there are four core courses, Relationship Foundations, Fight Less, Connect More. That seems to be part of a free trial. Then you got your four personalities, is, yeah. Love Languages, and Family Councils. And then once you kind of get going, yep. there's a bunch more stuff. If you're a step family, they're going to help you in that area. If you're trying to heal from infidelity, uh, if you're trying to deal with a divorce, right? So sometimes it doesn't. That's right. Uh, they've got some great courses, and we're adding new courses every month. And a note on the love languages uh, that is so the, it's based on Gary Chapman's five love languages. And we actually reached out to their camp and said we'd like to do our own course based on that, taking the basic principles. Uh, but we have our own spin on it. And so I just wanted to make sure people listening not saying like, hey, he didn't come up with the five love languages. That's oh. correct. We, we got their permission. Hey, hey, don't get excited. <laughs> got, we, don't get too excited about yourself. Yeah, I don't. Well, my father's an attorney, so I feel like I have to throw that in there. <laughs> well, give me uh, what would – so if someone tried to sue you over that, you know, love languages thing, right, if someone was obnoxious enough to do that, and it feels like in today's culture that's possible, what would Chewbacca say to that person? <laughs> uh, Chewbacca would say – <laughs> which of course is wookie for get a life yeah yeah and, and you know okay so <laughs> when you and i were kind of talking and i'm giving you an idea of what these podcasts are like and you're probably sitting there terrified going how is this going to actually happen and uh since we'd already had one failed start a week ago the you know one of the comments you made and i put it here in quotes in my notes is that our country is like a dysfunctional family, 
What are your mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I you know I have some pretty like I don't ever get political, so this isn't going to turn into a political show or a political whatever statement. But it, it it almost felt like maybe you and I are are more similar in this idea than than we are apart. But I'm kind of curious, like what do you mean by that? That our our country seems to be behaving in this like a like a dysfunctional family. You know. Um... As I scour social media and as I visit the comments threads on almost any topic, but especially politics, uh, and as I watch, as I, as I tune in here and there to the talk shows that are doing these points back and forth, uh, and I see both sides tending to vilify one another and paint each other in broad strokes, I mean, and I just see our country... She's being very divided um, across ideologies, uh, across belief systems, across political systems, and there's very, very much an us versus them, and it resembles a giant family feud. You know, people aren't truly listening, or they're listening just long enough to refute and tell someone why they're wrong. Uh, they're, they're seeing anyone who disagrees with them as someone worthy of insults and slapping a simplified label on them like, you know, like idiot or moron or jerk or crazy. Uh, and, and things just escalate. And we all dig our heels in, and we're all exceptionally arrogant in that we think our way is the right way. You know, and, and a quick tangent, you, need, you don't need to look any further than while you're driving to see that everybody thinks their way is the correct way. Because if any, anyone who's going faster than you, Michael, is a what? A jerk. Keep it clean. Anyone going slower than you is a what? Loser. <laughs> right? But the next day, you might be zoned out to, to a song yeah. you're listening to, and you're the one holding up traffic because you're driving slow. Yeah, or you might be late for an appointment, so you're... Yeah, and, and, and you might be zipping through traffic you know, late for something. And, everyone's, and so we all drive thinking, why can't everybody drive the way that I am driving or the way that I want it to drive. And we're the same way in our family relationships. We all, we all think, oh, no, I don't think I'm always right. And, of course, I can learn from other people. But when the rubber meets the road, we say things like, you know, if you were smart, you would do this. And it happens to be the way that I would do it. Yeah. Or if you were kind, you would say this, which happens to be what I would say. You know, if you were saying this is what you would think, and it happens to be what I think, and, and we all do that. And so I look at our country, and honestly, the exact same principles that heal families and that heal marriages could heal our country uh, if allowed, if we would let it. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity to formally announce my presidential yeah. run on the Marriage Family Therapy platform. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, no, but you have to give me a a 10-second a campaign speech as Pee Wee Herman, what would be your platform? Well, I already did Pee Wee, didn't I? Let's pick somebody else. How about right, I do it Connery. as... Uh... Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery. All right. All right, well... Uh... Platform. <clears throat> Listen here. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. That's why I have Secret Service, and that's why I have Michael Schmally as my running mate. To be my human shield. There you go. There's Sean Connery. <laughs> that is perfect. Well, and and you know you've mentioned pride. I can't love people in slices. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> you love. Oh, oh my gosh! I almost just said what you said. You've mentioned already several times 
this idea of pride that it seems to many of the dysfunctions that our country is engaged in, as well as obviously our, our marriages, our families, it breaks down at pride. What, you know, where do you get that idea that pride is sort of one of those foundational dysfunctional things? Well, you know, the old, the old saying pride cometh before the fall. That's a and no matter who, <laughs> and no matter and no matter who is campaigning on what side of the aisle, their campaign is America is not what it used to be. You know, yeah. I mean, both Trump and Hillary, you know, had had a similar. I mean, they they went in different directions with it, but they were both looking at it like that. And I, I think so. Where do I think that pride is? Look, look at us. At various times in our history, we've been more united than we are now. Now, granted, uh, there's always been racial strife. There's been strife on religious grounds. There's been strife on sexuality grounds. There's been there's been strife, but there have been times when the country was a lot more united and a lot and there was a lot less vitriol than there was now. And I think of how does a happy couple or family get to a place where they can't stand each other. Uh, and and it comes from pride. Am I willing to? If I'm in my marriage, I might have a position. But if my wife makes a point, am I humble enough to look at it honestly and to honestly consider it, and not to just out of hand dismiss it and say, but actually look at it and say, you know what? I'm open to having my mind changed. I'm open to having my heart changed. And I, I think far too often we just assume that right or left, Republican or Democrat, that, that whatever side we're on uh, has the market cornered on what is right. Or we might, or, or, you know, some more, we might be more level-headed and say, well, you know, my party's not perfect, but the other party's just a disaster full of, full of idiots and evil people. <laughs> well, but that's what and, it is right now. I got, I recently got into a conversation with uh, one of my children and I've got my kids are much older than your kids. And so they're, you know, they're getting caught up and I mean, it's, it's highly politicized right now. But one of the things I warned yeah. my oldest was, Hey man, regardless of who you want to be in power or who you wish would have won, if you treat that opposite candidate, the one that you didn't want, if, 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 if culturally, if you guys continue to treat someone with extreme disrespect and being dishonoring towards them, man, first is breaking Jesus Christ, do unto others as you wish they would do unto you, right? That golden rule idea is that what's, what's scary for me is it gets so contentious that my warning to him was, bro, be careful, man, because just know how you guys are treating the president now is more than likely how the opposite side will treat your winning candidate. Winning. Right. And, and you better think right. about that because as ineffective as you're trying to make someone's policies, that'll come full circle, right? And, and we need to learn as a society, but also obviously as a family, as a husband, as a wife, I need to learn how do I want to be treated and why don't I grab the yeah. initiative and do that for my wife or do that for my kids or Hey, society, how do you want to be treated? Well, if you want to be loved and respected and cherished and valued and honored, well, then, unfortunately, you got to do that for the other person. 
You have to. And I'm, I'm glad you brought, you brought up the Savior. I mean, the fact is, the greatest guidebook for society and for a family is the Sermon on the Mount, period. And so I, I look at that, and I, I think, it, you know, by all means, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not suggesting people can't hold to political beliefs and ideals or religious beliefs and ideals and say, to me, this is true. I believe this is true, and it's important, and I'm going to fight for it. But whoever lives by the sword dies by the sword. At what point do, does fighting for something become the mission instead of loving people? Yeah, and that's what and it is you, right now. You, you look at, and yeah, and, and you look at you look at Jesus, and you look at the the command to love your enemies, and your enemies isn't a classic superhero bad guy versus evil guy, once bent on world domination. Like your enemy is the person who is hurtful toward you, towards you, the person who is mean to you. Uh, or, or even the person that you you oppose, uh, that you're on opposite sides of an issue. Uh, that the first commandment is to love God. Second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And loving your enemy means I'm going to take the time to find out what is good about this person. And you know, you you look at the the scribes and the Pharisees criticizing him for dining with sinners and for hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors. But he looked at every single one of those per- people, and he didn't see the sinner first. He saw the person first. And and uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that people who disagree with me politically or otherwise are sinners. What I'm trying to say is we tend to vilify people, and that is not the way to peace. No. And I I, I think one of the best things you could ever do is to be genuinely friends with someone that you disagree with and see what you can learn from, and to not be afraid to, you know, by all means, if you have something you believe is true, hold to it and don't budge from it. But there, you'd be surprised what things you think you hold to as absolute truth, that somebody else has another perspective and another experience, and either your perspective shifts, or at least you see them with more compassion and understanding. And that's true in families, and that's true in the country. Yeah, it, it, it really is true. And, you know, it also rings true in uh, marriage and relationships that, you know, people are desperate to turn their relationship around. And what they fail to recognize is, well, maybe, you know, maybe if you did it differently or maybe if you stopped waiting for your spouse to do the right thing or your kid to do the right thing or that other person, I you know, I, I consistently encourage people that hey you're never going to lose by doing the right thing right and, and it's, yeah I, I might not see the treasure here but i'm going to get that treasure in eternity well i am talking with yeah. jonathan decker he is the clinical director of your family and i encourage you guys to check out his website he's got a lot of different ways to be able to help you with powerful online courses uh video and phone well i don't know about phone but i know you do video coaching and then even some clinical counseling in states that you're also licensed to do that in that's correct yeah and and they can there's a yourfamilyexpert.com backslash contact you can you can reach out to me all right and and even if you just want a 15 minute consultation free just to pick someone's brain or you know we're here to help excellent well, one of the... You, you know, know, you... Yes. Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, you got it. Oh, I, before you before you go in a different direction, you, you brought up something that I thought was really interesting, which is this idea of uh, of looking at ourselves first. You know, kind of the the, the beam in the eye versus the moat in the eye. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so often it's like, well, I'm not going to change because I don't want my partner to think that they're vindicated that I was the problem. You know, they think that I'm the problem, and if I start working and making changes then they're going to think they were right. And you said something that I thought was so profound, Michael, which is we never lose by doing right. You never lose by, by doing what you know is right, by making changes, by being humble and accountable. And when we look at ourselves first, it usually takes the heat off the other spouse and they're willing to, or the other you know, family member, and, and it makes them more willing to do the same. I, I ask this question a lot of people, especially of couples, that thing you want your partner to change, how are you contributing to it? You know, yeah. I, I may, I may want, I may want my, my spouse to be honest with me. Maybe they have a history of not telling me the truth or hiding things. Uh, but if I look at myself, when they confess things to me that they're embarrassed about or ashamed of, I get angry and I shame them. Or when I ask their opinion and they give me their honest opinion, I say, well, that's stupid. You know, so I'm making it hard for them to be honest. Or, or maybe I want my wife to be more intimate physically, uh, but I'm detached during the day. I'm not texting her to tell her I miss her. I'm not doing housework. I'm not helping with kids. I'm not. I'm just working and watching TV. Yeah, not engaged emotionally or in a meaningful way yeah, to, to your wife. She's exhausted. She's worn out and doesn't feel any connection with me and, or doesn't feel that I support her. And then we get into bed and I'm like, hey, baby, like, <laughs> you know that. I may want her to be more available that way, but I look at myself and say, what am I doing that contributes to that? And almost any time you want someone to change something in a relationship that you have with them, you can look at yourself and say, I'm doing something that's sabotaging that. I'm doing something that's keeping it going. And so we always need to start with ourselves. That's my little soapbox. But you, you, I'm doing the same thing. That's that's the worst. Is the things that irritate me about others are often the thing that I struggle with personally. Oh yeah, for sure. So let, let me. You, let, you had somewhere else you were going to go, yeah, but I'm going to take a left turn. We're going. We're getting sure. off the highway, and we're going to get onto a very bumpy road. Are you ready for this one? Oh boy, yeah. bring it. You're going to have to be emotionally prepared. So I just I'm warning you, but. Okay. One of the things you do for families is you offer movie reviews. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, we do. And uh-huh. what I actually think is cool, and John, that I've wanted to do that myself for a long time because I am a movie fanatic. I love movies, and I've just never landed yeah. on how I would want to do that. That would be interesting to me. So here's what I'm going to make you do. I'm not. You don't have to do it in a voice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you off the hook there. But okay. I'm going to give you a movie, and you have to give me a one-word review. One mm. word. Okay. And if you don't, I will I like shame it. you. It's fun. Like one of the characters <laughs> from Austin Powers, the fat one. <laughs> okay. So Sounds good. I'm going to give you a movie, and I got to get a one-word review from you. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. First movie, The Exorcist. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that 
was really good. I was thinking of my own words. I've never actually fully watched it. My brother tried to make me when I was a kid. I don't do scary movies. They're so messed up. All right, so that was like a terrifying you one. Know, yeah. You know, you know, I I enjoy I enjoy I love Halloween and I enjoy some scary movies, but usually it has to be tempered with comedy. Yes. Or uh, or so, or something along those lines, but I, I really like. There are a handful of scary movies that are meaningful that I love. Like this new movie, A Quiet Place, was oh, excellent. Oh, 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 my wife and I. Well, okay, so my sixteen-year-old son David and I took my wife on Sunday because yeah. we were so excited because she gets freaked out. But but because <laughs> I am a relationship expert. I knew if I get her yeah. into the backstory that they're married and that they did this movie together and she watched this really great interview on CBS Sunday Morning News, she was all in. Well, and the I, whole story is what would you do to protect your kids? Exactly. You know, like that's wonderful. John Krasinski, the director, is like, I, don't, I didn't even like scary movies until a year ago when I started doing research and got a taste for it. But I, I took interest in this because it's a story about family. It you know? totally so go ahead. Is. So she, you it, take him. Well, we went, and you know, the expectation is that my wife, uh, I mean, she, the, there was a movie, I don't even remember what one it was, that we, we went to watch, and she got so terrified, she screamed bloody murder and ran out of the theater <laughs> screaming. So our expectation yeah. was pretty high, and I will I can be honest and say that I actually scre- <laughs> I screamed more and louder in that quiet movie. It was humiliating because it really is quiet. And, and it was like, like, who's that guy? Yeah, and I'm like dropping some words I'm not supposed to, but they come out like Tourette's when I get scared, and oh, uh, it was not good. <laughs> All right, so the first movie review was The Exorcist, and you gave it a big nope. Here's the next one, a little yeah. bit different. Mary Poppins, original. Um, I can't do this in one word because here's here's the phrase: "Shut up, Dad, I love it." <laughs> I <laughs> well, I, back in the heyday of DVD buying when DVDs were big, I bought Mary Poppins, and my dad gave me crap, and I'm like, yeah, "Dad, this is a classic." I was in my 20s. Oh, and, come on. And I said, Dad, I bought The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. What do you want from me? It's Mary Poppins. <laughs> it's Dick Van Dyke dancing the penguins. It's, it's, it's joy it's, poured it into is. a DVD. Why would I not want it that? It's joy. There's the word, joy. Yeah, joy. You got it. All right. Here, here, you know, I, you're going to notice I'm going to switch gears from movie to movie. The next one, one word, please. Deliverance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a song like ding, 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 ding. All right, Pete, Pete the Magic Dragon Can I say marijuana on the air? I don't know if this is a- <laughs> yeah, It's a podcast oh, That's Puff the, ma- that's pump, that's pump yeah, the Magic Dragon pump- you think it, you can, you're, you're thinking Pete's Dragon They're, they're two different yeah, things Pete's uh, Dragon, but it was but- based off of the Disney thing You're right Pete's Dragon, I'll, I'll, the current one. I totally I'll, butchered. I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick with Ash, <laughs> uh, as an answer, not as a lifestyle choice. Yeah, that's smart. That's very smart. And <laughs> all right, here's the last one. And, and I'm very curious on what your one word is going to be. Okay, Robin Hood, but the one with Kevin Costner. Underrated. 
Oh, you and I can be friends. I own it. I love so it. Let's, it makes me happy. Oh, my goodness. So, so quick 20-second tangent. For those who are listening and have never seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, many will poo-poo on that film and say Kevin Costner has an American accent and a mullet and <laughs> that uh, and, 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 and try and put on those grounds. First of all, mullets are amazing. Ask anybody in Arkansas or Alabama, <laughs> and that's not a, that's not a slam. That is an actual description of my friends who are rocking those things. Yes. Uh, and it, this is a, this is set in medieval England. Modern British accents would be equally out of place with an American accent. So just oh. go with it. Throwing down because Alan Rickman is rocking that thing. Oh man, there's 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 inc- there's amazing action. The thing with the flaming arrow, the, the whole hanging scene where they're rescuing the the merry men for being hanged is just one of the the best staged action scenes in terms of building suspense. I, it's just the the romance is excellent. Alan Rickman's a terrific villain. The music's underrated. Everything I do, I do it for you. Dude. One of the all time great love songs. I mean, all time great love song. I mean that. You know, we could talk about sexual intimacy right now because you get that song playing for me. My wife knows. (laughs) Things are going down. (laughs) Things are happening soon. (laughs) You know, I uh, I did a Facebook poll on my on my Your Family Esther Facebook page a couple weeks ago about uh, what is what would be good songs for a married lovemaking playlist and i got such a variety of answers i got stuff from boys to men to all right to george Strait to will smith and jazzy jeff uh boom shake the room and i was like nah i'm not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna do we're not gonna do that one um but i i honestly think for me uh it's gonna have to be i don't know i haven't tried this and if my wife is listening Sorry, I've never tried this with my wife. I don't know if it would do it for her, but for me, it would be like big band. It would be like Sinatra and Dean Martin, really? and uh, maybe not for the actual act of intimacy, but definitely for like the slow dance that leads, you know, as you're dancing your way towards the bedroom. Well, my wife and I turned incantations. You got Michael yeah, Bublé, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. It's just fantastic music. That'll work, but you know, this will give away my wife and I's age here a little bit. She'll probably kill me for even saying. If you say "Thunderstruck" by ACDC, I'm no. hanging up. No, no, I okay. can give you an entire genre, <laughs> a decade of music, the '80s. If we, if, if, oh yeah, the, any song from the '80s is playing, she and I are all in. It just brings back fond. I bet I could think of some eighty. I bet I could think of some eighty songs that would that would have the opposite effect, but really? I'll still go with it. Don't you forget about me? Hold See? me now. The, the, those would be good ones. Those, those would be are, good ones, I definitely. They do it. They'll, they'll, you know, it <laughs> takes you back to a time of innocence. And what's sad though is it gets our engines revving, but we didn't. Even I'm sorry. Know the eighties were innocent. Did you follow hairspray bands at all? No, 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 no. The 80s weren't innocent. <laughs> My wife and I were innocent little people. Oh, okay. Okay, absolutely. I'll go with that. And, I will and, allow it. And so it's on like we get to like relive our childhood but having sex appropriately with a spouse. <laughs> Oh, you are my spirit animal. Yes. You know this? I love that we're talking freely about sex because in in my business, I, I, I operate out of Utah. Uh, I'm from Arizona. Love Utah. Great state. But the thing about some couples here is that they can have sex, but they just can't talk about it. 
Yeah. And so they're, they're just, they're just not used to talking about it. And so I have to get that going. And, uh, and sometimes I forget to shut that off. And so sometimes, and I'm not crass or crude. I just no. acknowledge that sex is a thing that people do. And every single one of us who is here on this earth Are, is a result in yes. some form or another. Well, what's funny and is so, I actually grew up in Arizona too. I wasn't born there. Oh, nice. I was born in Chicago, but I think we moved there when I was eight. And then I graduated high school from Arizona. And then I moved to Texas for Baylor University. And I met all these hung up Southern Baptist people that get so stressed. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I grew up in a home that was very healthy. And my mom talked about, you know, my mom and dad talked to me about sex. And I could ask questions and. I moved to the south, and I'm yeah, like, my home what too. in the world? What is y'all's hang-up <laughs> over this? And so to solve that with my wife, who grew up here in Houston, Texas, uh, we, are, we are starting actually next week. So your podcast is going to air today. Very exciting. Ooh, On the awesome. day that we record, it'll, it'll get released. But then next week, we're starting a new series called Tonight. Oh, yeah. I, I have got my <laughs> wife. Is, talking about sex and a lot of it. Let me is, tell you. Is, is tonight, are you going to whisper it every night, every time? Tonight. Uh, yes, it's tonight. And then I have a great tagline. A new fragrance to, by Calvin Klein. I'm trying to find my notes because I'm like, oh, here we go. It's called Tonight, an honest over <laughs> real conversation about how to can't. experience it's the like, greatest sex of your is, life. That is, that is an octave away from... Sizzler, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a <laughs> That's, totally That's true. cool. I will tune into that. I'm I'm all about I'm all about healthy sexuality. I think I, I think we have we have a problem in our culture with sex. And that problem is there's only two settings in terms of the cultural conversation. And that is raunchy and in your face, and the other setting is we just don't talk about it. Which is a real shame because what there needs to be is a real open dialogue for healthy, loving sexuality between committed people. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and I think we, we don't, we, it's just like, well, you know, I, I, I know somebody whose mother on their wedding day says, okay, so I think it's time for me to have a conversation with you. And the person says, mom, I'm in my twenties. Like, that conversation should have had a, been had a decade ago. I've heard that so many times. And so, and so with my kids, we we start them, we start them young. You know, with with at a very young age, they know the proper terms for their anatomy, um, because they learn there's nothing shameful about their anatomy, and uh, hey, <laughs> which my, can backfire. Here's a, yeah, it does. I've had that. We did that with our kids, and one of my boys, he was like three just barely talking he's like daddy my penis hurts it was like at church or something and <laughs> I was like, ah. well that's that's the correct word son good job we we taught our daughter to wipe herself you know after she peed and she was she was two and you know wipe your vagina so she goes you know wipe vagina wipe vagina <laughs> we're at uh captain underpants at the movie theater <laughs> and there's a scene where there's a giant roll of toilet paper and when the giant roll of toilet paper shows up the the movie goes silent for a couple seconds almost silent and my little two-year-old daughter in a full theater goes ha 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 the vagina <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm sitting there i'm sitting there next to her and everyone's looking at me like what just happened and who is this guy and just the whole thing was oh it's just a disaster 
Well, Jonathan, <laughs> I have enjoyed this interview probably more than I have any other, but hopefully none of the people I've interviewed will hear this. But I really appreciate <laughs> you. you I appreciate your humor. I appreciate what you're doing as the clinical director for yourfamilyexpert.com and what your wife and you get to do together and how you're helping others. So I encourage all my listeners to definitely check them out. And I'll give you the last word, Jonathan, but I just want you to close out one of the most epic relationship podcast interviews in the history of all mankind. I want you to close it okay. out as potentially one of my favorite characters of all time, Smeagol. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to close that out uh, with those immortal words of wisdom. Honestly, the best life advice outside of, you know, outside of God. The best life advice I've ever heard comes from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, so I'm going to quote them as Smeagol. <clears throat> Excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Party on. There you go. <laughs> that is so perfect. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. It's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.